the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. And thank you to all of you who have written us a review. I so appreciate that, and it's so great to get your feedback. I really am committed to helping creative people find a path find a way to express yourself. It's been very difficult during COVID. And so the question became, how do we get past no? How do we get past disappointments? How do we have faith in our projects when nobody else does? And today I have here Anna Abbott. Hi, Anna. Hello. And I, you're somebody I know very well. You're a millennial who has really struggled to express yourself and have a career in showbiz. Yes. Right? So I thought it would be really great to have you on the podcast and talk about you're like a kelly clown you know where you get punched you know those clowns get punched down and they pop back up and punch down and pop that and then it's like covid hits us and then how do you keep your projects going when life says no Mm. we don't want you we don't like you you know how do you do that first tell us a little bit what your what you're doing and a little bit about yourself and yeah. what you've been doing. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so um, happy to be here. So first and foremost, I am a writer, producer, performer, singer, tweeter, Instagrammer. <laughs> the whole thing. We call that in LA. I'm a producer slash director slash. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The slashes. Uh, anything for hire. Um, I know it's so hard <laughs> to explain to like people not in showbiz what you do. Um, I was at a dinner party last night. They said, what do you do? And I think it was a half hour later. <laughs> right. You like read them your whole Wikipedia page. It's, yes. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. Well, and then at the end, you're like, so am I hired? And they're like, no, but would you like some chicken? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I do the whole gamut of things. Um, uh, and most recently, I just um, started a project with the one and only Monique Hart from RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, we've been working on this project over the drag last Drag queens, month. right? Uh, it's actually not a drag show whatsoever. It's more a show that we have created like for the queer community by the queer community to like show uh, visibility. Um, so yeah, that's a project that we've been working on. It's going to be coming out very soon. You can follow that at your gay icons. The show is called spill it. So check it out. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> well, okay. Wait, hold a second. First of all, the word queer. Yeah. So you're gay, gay. Okay. A because homosexual. <laughs> so my grandma would say homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you are, Judy? Right. So, um, okay. So you're doing this show for tell us a little bit about it well I had a really hard time finding myself on television you know as a queer woman all I've had in the last 10 years is the l word and then the l word rebooted and those women finding shows to watch finding shows to watch where like a person like me is represented on screen Uh, most lesbian women on screen are super butch the tattoos the carabiner everything and uh for me I am a carabiner what carabiner what's what's carabiner it's a carabiner 
It's the thing that you like hike with. <laughs> you, it's a stick? No, it's like a hook, like a, a oh, hook you put on your Oh, the spring hooks. Yeah, like a spring hook. Oh, so that's definitely a lesbian thing. It's right? definitely a lesbian thing. <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, go ahead. Education. Um yeah, so I didn't find anybody like me on television and especially in reality TV. The only um part of queerdom that exists is the white gay man for the most part. And there is that doesn't um lesbians and queer women and other sides of the queer community don't necessarily exist on uh, unscripted television so that's what we're trying to do create that space so so okay so how do you do a show during covid like how how do you what tell me a little bit about it like it's a tv show it's a well right now we're just like in like production of it so i can't give too much information away on it but oh, it is hard to get I yeah get it. okay <laughs> it's a secret it is a tell se- your friends and follow us yeah and follow us for when the secret drops <laughs> help but help how, our dreams become a reality how by did you us. shoot a show during covid uh it was very 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 stressful everybody has to get tested before uh, temperature checks. There's COVID waivers that are signed. No more than 10 people were ever on set. Um, everybody had to wear masks except for the people who were on camera. Um, it was a very, very, very closed set and it was stressful. You know, the I quarantined. Set, where was it? Um, we w- did it in Santa Monica in this like little bungalow. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, all right. So you get everybody tested. Everybody wears masks. And how did you end up, did you, is it a scripted thing? Did you write it? It's unscripted. Um, so we, it's more of like a, it's a talk show slash docuseries. It's very reminiscent of like Chelsea, the show that was on Netflix starring Chelsea Handler, um, where we like talk about things kind of round table ish. And then we go out into the community and see them in action. So especially with COVID, it made it more difficult to go out into the community. Um, so we had the community come to us. Do you know what I love about what you're saying? I think this is really great for everybody listening is, uh, that you are watching TV and you go, I'm not on it, or people like me are not necessarily on it. So, like there's straight, what's it called? Uh, straight guy for the... Queer eye for, for the straight guy. Right. And that's men. And yeah. And you haven't seen someone like yourself, not except the L word. Okay. And rather than like a lot of people I know just complain well they discriminate or they don't because especially for me there's not a lot of women my age on Conan right (laughs) right right right. you don't see and now some menopause jokes from our next comic right you're not going to see that and I know so many people comics will just give up and and that's so wrong because when a door shuts in your face, like a big door, like a network, there's always a way to do your own thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at Jenny, uh, uh, Jean, in my case, Jenny Robertson, she's, what, 75? And before COVID, she was packing out theaters. And now she had, I looked, her last YouTube video had 7 million hits on it. She's seventy. Five 
years old. So there, we don't need excuses. There mm -hmm. are there are ways to do it, right? Oh, definitely. So did this? How did you end up just going? Just screw it. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, creating a space for me to perform has essentially been my entire existence as a performer. I uh, grew up singing classical music. I went to school as an opera major. I did that whole thing for a while and I loved it, but I never really was passionate about it. Um, and that led me, I'm from Arizona and that led me to New York for a moment, then to Texas for a brief moment. And then to California, um, to LA, all I knew moving to LA is that I wanted to come out here and be a star. And I gave myself two years to be a now, star. Now, to be a star, <laughs> is that like a porn star? No, 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 no. no. Oh my God, no. <laughs> no. no I mean, I'm very mean? sex work positive, but that would never be like. No, but what for does me. it mean to be, you wanted to be a famous singer? You wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, I a came out here and I, you know, I had done singing for all of my life. So I thought, okay. And I loved writing. So I thought, oh, I'll be a singer songwriter. So that's what I came out here originally um, to do was to do that. And I. I've always been like a quote unquote funny person. I was always the kid in high school who was doing like the weird funny stuff. And like I was voted like one of the funniest people in my class and like weird stuff, you know. Um, and so I wanted to like bring that into my singing, but like I didn't know how. And my singing persona was so dark and edgy and like so not like me all the way. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, I was very lost when I first came to L.A. Apparently, what do you do? Did you, are there are there like open mics for singers? Oh, yeah, there are. I got very lucky when I first made moved to L.A., made a lot of connections. And um, I've always said, yes, Bethany Frankel from Real Housewives of New York. Like she wrote a book all about saying yes to everything. And I, I did say yes to a lot of things and a lot of people. And within my first two months in L.A., I had gigs at like a house of blues and state social house and. So I did say yes, and a lot of opportunities were given to me through that. But just because you're performing at the House of Blues does not mean you're performing to a sold-out crowd, okay? Oh, really? There were nights where it was packed, and then there were the nights, which were very dark nights, where, like, for instance, my parents came to visit me, and I performed for just my parents in the room. <laughs> And the, even the light and sound guy, like he like he pressed a preset button for the lights and he left the room. And, and he left. And there I am in this huge room at House of Blues performing love songs just to my parents. Oh, my God. You know, that is the biggest problem that people have, especially in L.A. and in New everywhere is I want to perform. I but how do you get an audience? That is the biggest problem. Right. 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 It's very difficult. And especially in L.A., people don't show up. Um, and it's, you know, people will buy tickets, but they don't show up to your gig. And when I was singing, you know, I, I had no idea who I was. I would go into huge meetings with like uh, Warner and Interscope and they'd be like, your music's great, but you don't know who you are. And I had to take that time to find out who I was Um especially to get to where I am today to now I have like my niche group. Like I know who my audience is and I love them and I, I treasure them. Um, and, and that took years of finding myself quitting everything I was doing and then really just starting all over again. Oh God. I know. I mean, I look at some of my original stuff where I went, Oh, I just want to be funny. Yeah. 
And oh, and, and I look at it and I thought I was like so good. And it was like, I, I there was laughter mostly from myself going, <laughs> my own jokes. Like, <laughs> after that, I look and it is painful to watch. Yeah. Because I was saying things I didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know who I was at all. Right. So how do you, how does a performer, like how do our listeners who really, they know they're funny, Mm -hmm. but how do they find who they are if they're not gay? Like, I think if you're gay, like you go, okay, I got an audience, right? Or if you're, I mean, it seems that way, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but there's a lot of people who don't want to be known as the gay performer. You know, right. I know a lot. I, I mean, I have a very, I'd say, expansive queer community who are performers and people don't know that they're gay. You know, these are people who have albums out who are very straight passing and, they, you know, they don't want to be known as that, um, which I think is a loss because the lesbians show up. <laughs> no, but, but wait, let's talk about that. I mean, I remember... Um, I was at this little dink club in Long Beach and there was Melissa Etheridge mm-hmm. uh, playing and she exploded. She had mostly a huge, like the Katie Langs, the Melissa Etheridge. They get an automatic following because they're out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, now it's changing. I, being gay is a lot different, um, I think, now than mes- ne- than when it was when you were coming up in the industry because everyone's gay now you know it's not necessarily (laughs) like oh it's like revolutionary to be a lesbian in entertainment you Mm -hmm. know um but it does help it does help well but you don't just have to be gay to find your niche you know first you need to find yourself that's what I did I stopped singing I uh, fell in love with somebody who wasn't in love with me I lost myself completely oh god and, uh, no women listening to this would have any idea right. what you're talking <laughs> right. about right and you have lost to, yourself in a relationship and give up your career yeah, mm. gave up my career gave up everything <laughs> and then I was kind of left with nothing and I thought to myself okay like what do I want to do and you know, like most people, we learn from school. And I had someone tell me, oh, you're really funny. You should go to the Groundlings. And for those of you who don't know, the Groundlings is like one of the premier improv spaces. Um, I was in Los Angeles and in the U.S. And so I started going to the Groundlings, taking improv classes. And I immersed myself in in that community and I started to make friends in that community and then those friends would tell me about different gigs right and then I would start to um then I tried you know my hand at performing and I of course coming out of like did you do open mics I did do open mics the worst the worst the worst I would show up at these open mics that were happening at 3 p.m on like (laughs) Like the sun is out and it's you and then three other comics were there and you're like, why am I doing this? And it was difficult for me because I loved improv. I, I love, I, I still absolutely adore improv. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite can, thing to Can do. one make a living from improv? 
It's very difficult because there are how many slots at SNL to fill, (laughs) you know, and that's kind of like the be all end all of improv, but improv influences so many different things. I would say that most of your television um, and film writers come out of those improv rooms. Yeah. Do you know uh, the, uh, the growlings that I see on TV constantly are on progressive insurance commercials? Right, Flo. She's a groundling. She performs there regularly, actually. You can right. like go see Flo on a Sunday night. But it seems like improv is a skill that helps you, you know, get commercial auditions, can help you with acting, can help you. I think it helps you with your life. With your life. Because improv, the basis of improv is yes and. And that is you know, learning that has not just helped me in a scene with somebody else. It's not just helped me with my writing. It has helped me in my life. When I get rejected, when I get told no, I go, okay, yes. And what's next? (laughs) And next. I love that word. Thank you. Next. Thank you. (laughs) Next. I, you know, that's so many times. Um, I've just wanted to quit. And the problem is when you're a creative person, you can't. You really can't because that's at your core right. who you are. Right. I mean, during COVID, um, and I haven't been really able to perform to a live group. I was walking on the beach and I did a set for a bunch of pigeons that were on the beach. I just, I just they right. were there. They were looking for, I thought, entertainment. I went, hey, how y'all doing? Right. Where y'all from? Hey, where are you going? And <laughs> I wish I shot it because it was a funny routine. But, but. It's like it's something you have to do whether you have a gig or not. And so many of us, especially women, don't fit into the comedy club scene, mm-hmm. right? So there you are doing some open mics, trying to fit into the comedy club scene. How did you get from there to producing? Us. And do we need to produce? I mean, does every single person need to um, create their own projects? Well, for me, I I had a very hard time finding my own space because I knew what I wanted to do, but the space for that did not exist. And I would get very overwhelmed. I would get so overwhelmed that I would just want to sit in bed and watch the housewives and eat my ice cream sandwiches. You know, I, I would get so overwhelmed and just want to quit because I was like, there's not a space for me until one day I literally was just like, you know what? I'll create the space for myself, just like Kathy Griffin did. You know, I, I, I really look up to Kathy Griffin as like someone who really paved a way for herself. She was a storyteller and she would get like booed out of stand-up clubs, but now she sells out the Dolby theater and performs for three straight hours, making everybody laugh. For yeah. Three Kathy hours. would bomb at uh, the Hollywood Improv because uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but stand-up is not stories. Right. And that when you tell a story, to s- when everybody else is doing set-up, pay-off, set-up, pay-off, that you 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 look soft. Mm-hmm. You know, you sound soft. You're not going to get laughs as frequently in that format. Right. Yeah, so I created um, a space for myself. You know, I have a huge singing background, so I love to sing. I um, love, like, being a storyteller and comedy, and I and I love improv. So I combined all three of those, and I created a show called The Gay Beret. Um, I had, in L.A., joined Lesbian Dodgeball, a gay ski club, and I had these huge communities, and I knew they would... Lesbian sh- Dodgeball. Yeah. Lesbians with balls. There's something you yeah, don't Yeah, there's see an image you, you need to see. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and I created these communities. I knew they would show up for me as my friend to my show. So I created a show for them, which was the gay beret. And it had all three of those things in it, the storytelling, the singing. I just sang a lot of Minnelli and, uh, Streisand. And I did some song improv, the diva. So you did yeah. a diva. It was a tribute show. to the divas with a lot of fun storytelling about my gay experience and stuff that I knew that they would really love. And it sold the show sold out, you know, it was great. And then from that, um, I created another kind of cabaret act called Goyesha, which um, I ended up turning around immediately after I finished the Gabriel in October, uh, took it to Jewish Women's Theater, Jewish Women's Theater, put it up and I was performing it by December 15th. And um, I did that show sold out multiple times for Wait, Jewish Women's so Theater. This is, uh, first of all, those of you listening um, from Nebraska, Goyesha means Goyesha means <laughs> that it's a sh- I'm a goy. So Judy's a Jew and I'm a goy. A goy is a non-Jew. So it was a show about my experience with um, coming to Los Angeles and like meeting a bunch of Jewish people and being in that community and my struggle between like my love for Judaism and my past as um, growing up super evangelical. So I created a show about that and I took it to a space that wanted to have it. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what I did. See, I find that the, the best projects are those things that you're really struggling with in your life. And I can imagine coming from, um, that kind of family to Los Angeles is quite a jump of culture, right? Yeah. That was. Yeah. So, so, so you're coming from a really authentic place now. Yeah, I had to get in touch with myself. I had to go to classes, educate myself, create these, uh, be in these different groups. And then I just had to keep throwing myself out there. And and I really want like your listeners to hear this. I have been rejected more times than I can count. I have cried and cried and cried and looked at myself in the mirror and gone, what is wrong with me? So many times I, you know, after Goya show wrapped, it was the holidays and then COVID happened. You know, I had a lot of momentum and to get momentum in this industry is very, very difficult. You know, we're all out there just slugging it and COVID happened and my momentum just totally dropped off. And so I just decided, you know, I'm going to keep trying to create these spaces for myself. I had an opportunity to create an online pride panel And that company then dissolved, which was a hit, you know, to me. And I let myself be mad about it for a day. And then I picked it up the next day and I pitched it to another company, which then loved it, loved it, loved it. And then they disappeared. Then pitched it to another company. Love it, love it, love it. Then they disappear. And then, you know, I took what was working from my panel. And then I um, reached out to somebody I met through that process. He's become my producing partner. Um, he has a lot of connections in the gay community. I'm saying like right now I'm telling everyone my life has reached a whole new level of homosexuality. I didn't even know existed. And, um, that's whenever I reached out to Monique Hart and we created this project together. And Monique Hart, um, is is from RuPaul's Drag Race. She was on season 10, I want to say, and all stars four. um, and, and does she have a following? She has a huge following. Huge, really? huge, huge like following. I think she has like 600,000 followers on Instagram. She's on RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, right. which is like the mecca of gayness, you know, on television. Um, so 
Yeah. And and even through this process, you know, we're, we're just kind of at the beginning of this project with her and I'm scared to death. I'm so scared, you know, but even when we're filming, I'm coming up with other ideas and my mind is constantly going as to what's next, what's next, what's next. And I'm expecting to be rejected. And that's why I always have my ABC, ABC plan, but I always know I'm going to go for X, Y, and Z. How do you not take it personally when you're not, when, when you're rejected? Oh, I do take it personally. (laughs) (laughs) I take it personally, but I let myself take it personally for one day. And then I treat myself. I get myself ice cream. I go buy really expensive sushi. I spend all my money on food and I mope around and I have a big pity party. I throw the best pity parties ever. You could come sometime. And, um, then the next day I wake up and before I'm even off my pillow, I've made a plan of what I'm going to do. And I go into action immediately. I go, I'm going to show these people like what I'm really capable of. I, I, I find that this notion of just do, do something, just do something. Right. Is, is, and, and sometimes it doesn't even matter if it succeeds or fails, but it's the people you meet along the way that you hook up, not hook up, hook up with, but I'm just (laughs) talking about that you, um, creatively hook up with. Right. Well, that's exactly what happened with the show is I met Nick at the very beginning of COVID with that panel. And now he's my producing partner in this, you know, and we were doing so many other projects and I believe, you know, improv is all about faking it till you make it you know throwing yourself into scenes yes anding every everything and that's what I've done you know I when I was trying to make that panel I was reaching out to huge stars and then I would get responses from their agents and I couldn't even believe it you know but if you come into the room and you say I belong here people will believe that you belong there wow so you know, let's recap some things that can give the listeners hope, hope. for all the doors <laughs> slamming uh, in, their, in their faces is, first of all, to pay attention to um, pay attention to the ideas and take action on them. Yes, because we all have ideas, but very few people take action on them. Right. And I say take action immediately. I have an entire audio memo thing in my phone that is probably filled with a thousand ideas I've never actually done. Some people that works for, for me, it's I write it down on a piece of paper and I make a list every single day of everything I want to do and I make sure it gets done on paper. Get it right. done. Yeah. And if a door slams in your face, like I want to do stand up, but it's I can't get it to work. I can't get it to work. Maybe it's not your thing. And maybe it's storytelling is your thing. And and, and to create a space for yourself, you know? Ah, create a create space. Create a your... space for yourself. I knew that I was not gonna get booked at the comedy store at the Laugh Factory. I knew that. I, I'm not a stand-up. I'm really I don't understand it for everyone out there who really does stand up well. Like the way that you do that formula is amazing to me. And I I'm a storyteller. And so I created a space for myself. I began producing my own shows, you know. And you pitched it to to uh you said to Jewish Women's Theater, yeah. right? 
Um, but know where you're pitching it to. I had a show called Goyesha. You know, I had a show that featured Barbara Streisand songs, okay? And I talk about food. I knew Jewish women's theater would love that, you know? Know who you're, be smart. Make a plan. Know who you're going to sell to, who you're going to pitch to. You know, it takes, there's so much more that goes behind a successful product than just like writing something good. It's being a business person, which I know you talk about a lot on this podcast. Right. Well, thank you so much for giving us some hope and finding ways. I could use it too. Maneuver. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, uh, the whole thing of take your ideas and take action and do it now and put yourself out there. Find partnerships because that was very helpful, right? Yes. To to when you put yourself out there, you're going to be with other people who are putting themselves out there and you can find some creative partners and then make a plan, right? Yeah. Just write down some steps and also ask yourself who would be the best audience for this? Right. And where are these people? <laughs> right. Where are they? And it's difficult during COVID, but you got Zoom. And, and let me tell you guys something right now. People are looking outside of COVID. People are looking to, you know, what's going online, what is going to be their opening acts and their stand-up clubs, because there will be a lot of clubs that will shut their doors, which means a lot of clubs will be open, which opens opportunities for all of you. Yes. And reach out. Reach out. Just do it now for your special gift go to the message that's the message and get your free one year subscription to the message of you university which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book a ted talk or a paid speaking career That's the message of you.com.